The Braves pack the all-star game as the machine marches on. The run we've been on, it's not surprising to anybody. It's just that's what's expected. From the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, this is the Braves Report presented by Kroger, the podcast that takes you inside the clubhouse and gives you the stories behind the score. I'm Jay Black from Truist Park with our AJC Braves beat reporter Justin Toscano. And Justin, I hope Braves fans have been enjoying themselves because you don't get to see this kind of dominance very often. No, I mean... The simple numbers, right? Four losses since the start of June. They've won 23 of their last 26 games. <laughs> Nine series in a row. This one might be craziest to me, and I guess it's obvious if you've lost that little in that span, but after today, the Braves have three separate winning streaks of at least seven games since the start of June. Seven, eight, and eight. It's unreal. Eight and counting. So coming up, all the stats behind this incredible role the Braves lineup has been on and what's really been the difference maker. Plus, it's not just the bats, how the Braves keep getting important starts from deep in their rotation and later. Speaking of eight, you'll hear from some of the record eight Braves that are heading to the All-Star Game in Seattle. And we've got the answers to your questions in the Ask Justin segment. If this is your first time listening to our show, well, we're happy to have you. And please make sure you follow us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast so you never miss an episode. This is the Braves Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, presented by Kroger. And if you're the one leading the charge for your Independence Day cookout, Kroger is your one-stop shop for all your grilling needs. And to prove it. The grill will be running outside Kroger locations in Georgia on Monday and Tuesday. So come by, grab a full or half slab of St. Louis Rids, and visit Kroger.com today for your red, white, and blue favorites. So we are hitting the halfway point of the season now. We're all the way through June, and the Braves have got a nine-game lead in the East. Here's Justin with Braves manager Brian Snicker. At the midway point, things are going pretty well for you guys. Is there an aspect of this team that makes you most proud or something that impresses you? The whole you? thing, just how they handle everything, how they handle adversity. They don't let injuries bother them. It's just next man up and keep going and keep, you know, grinding through pretty much. Just, you know, how they stay consistent and everything with their attitudes, their work ethic, the energy, all that. I mean, um, you know, it's a special group. It's kind of amazing that this time last month, the Braves had a three-and-a-half game lead over the Mets and just lost a series to the A's. They've lost three games since. Yeah, I guess I was going to bring that up, too, because I guess most things on our podcast eventually find themselves back to the Mets because our (laughs) listeners, I think, enjoy the plight of Mets fans. Here's one. They were three-and-a-half games back, as you mentioned, at the start of July, 18-and-a-half back. That's insane. I asked you the question of the Braves break the Mets a few weeks ago. They broke the Mets. In a million million pieces. (laughs) So I I was just doing, um, filming the recap video with our video reporter, Sarah Spencer, who used to cover the Hawks. Which you can find on YouTube. Yep. And one thing that I mentioned to Sarah, I'll I'll mention here. The Twins, you know, if I'm the Marlins, I leave this series and I'm like, okay, I don't like getting swept. But this is a hot Braves team, man. This is a Braves team that is rolling through everybody. And if you're the Marlins, you can't feel so bad. The Twins hadn't had the best of seasons coming in here. They lost three games this week. Jay, after the third one, Rocco Baldelli, Minnesota's manager, closed the clubhouse to media. No players were made available, which is something I I don't think you can really do uh, under the, the, the CBA. 
I'm not sure of the specifics. My point being, you never see that. The Braves are breaking everybody. I mean, they're taking souls since the start of June. And it looks like they took the Marlins again. Miami's much improved. I will say that. They've got a better lineup to complement the pitching. Yuri Perez is incredible and has had an unreal start to his career. Jazz Chisholm actually just got hurt again today, but one of the most exciting players in baseball when he's going, when he's at his best. We thought the Mets and the Phillies were going to be this team's top competition. It's the Marlins. I preface everything I'm about to say with all of that because they deserve credit. Yep. But the Braves are now 9-1 and one against the Marlins and have beaten them by a combined score of 83-29. to 29. <laughs> It So a couple nights ago, Jordan McPherson, the, uh, the wonderful Marlins beat writer for the Miami Herald, tweeted out something that I found rather funny. On Friday, by Friday, after Friday's game, the Marlins had given up five or more home runs in a game three times this year, all of them against the Braves. Six, <laughs> five, and five. So the Braves have hit th- five, at least five home runs and three of these nine wins against the Marlins. They're nine and one over the first 10 games. And basically, this assures that, barring a massive collapse by the Braves because of the new schedule, they've buried the Marlins. And... Obviously, the headliner in all of this has been the Braves lineup. So, naturally, the best minute of sound we get is from a pitcher. Naturally, it's from Charlie Morton. They're playing well. They're pitching well. And to watch the guys do that is, I, I don't think I've seen that before. So, uh, and I, I honestly don't think that they know what they're doing. Like, I don't think that they realize, I don't think they realize how good they are. Like, which is awesome because I think there's a lot of people that are trying to put it in perspective. They're trying to quantify exactly what's going on, but I don't, the guys in that room, I really don't think that they know what's going on. I just think that they're like, Oh, we're, you know, we're, we're pros. We're good dudes. Like we care about each other and we, we go out and play. And I, that's what I'm seeing. They're all pulling for each other. They're all supportive of each other. They're, they're extremely positive and, um, and relaxed, they're really humble for how good they are. So, like for me to be in that clubhouse, I feel so spoiled. Like it's pretty, it's 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 kind of surreal actually. It's like it's such a good group of dudes that are so good. I love that they they don't know what they're doing while all of them are on fire right now. Yeah, I. There's part of me that thinks that when the guys in that lineup talk to us that they're playing it a little cool. They don't want to be, you know, boastful, anything like that. Don't want to be too gregarious, but yeah, there's a big part of me that thinks that they genuinely, they realize how fun this is and how good it has been. But I don't think that in the context of baseball history, in the context of this season, I don't really think they know what they're doing. And I think that's probably what makes them so good is because you can't have any eye toward the external, whether that be the team you're playing, the hype around the series, the hype around the offense, what you've done yesterday, what you might do tomorrow. It's cliche, but I don't think you get here unless you execute that baseball cliche of staying within the day, trying to win that day's game. I think they're really good at that. They're they're very good at just focusing and compartmentalizing, I think, and that is my read on that. We hear Brian Sticker say it all the time to the point where you're like, dude, this is just a massive cliche. I don't I don't think it is. It sounds like one, 
but I do think that they really don't get hung up in everything else. I think, yeah, they probably realize how fun this is and how special it is and how this probably does not happen every day. But it's crazy. I mean, where do we start? Do we start with the numbers? Do we start with the historical context? It's one of the best runs ever. In your in your uh, Braves Report newsletter, the Braves Dispatch part of the Braves Report newsletter, which comes out every Friday. Uh, if you have not signed up for it, it's free. So go to AJC.com slash newsletters. But, uh, you know, this week you really spent a lot of time digging into how impressive uh, these last three days have been. Yeah. So in my newsletter this week, I used a tool called StatHead. It's part of Baseball Reference. And I tried to dig a little bit into the historical context because to me, these numbers as a team seemed rather ridiculous. So this is before Friday's series opener against the Marlins. The Braves were only one of seven teams since 1901 to have a team batting average of at least 300 and a team OPS of at least 915 in the month of June. To be the, clear, that's 1901, the last century, not this one, the one before it. Yeah, and the, the 2003 Red Sox were the last to do it. That's for June. But this is crazy. If you take all the months of a season and all the years since 1901 – they became only the 29th team that has done it. And here's this. So so a little behind behind the scenes here, because I wanted to account for them having a rough Friday night, if they did, I did so that, you know, they were batting 302 with a 920 OPS as a team when I wrote this. And so what I did was I did 300 to account for, you know, a little slippage, and I did 915. Well, the Braves ended the month because of a six-homer Friday night game where they had like over 10 hits again and scored 16 runs. They ended the month batting 307 as a team with a 944 OPS. Jay, they also set the franchise record for homers in a single month with 61. You want to take a guess at the last team to bat 307 with a 944 OPS and 61 homers in a month? The list isn't very long. I know it's not. It's uh, the 2023 Braves in June are the only team to do all that in a single month. This is a, I mean, we want to avoid hyperbole. I get it. We are journalists. Our job is to tell people the truth. The truth is this. If this continues, this will go down as one of the best offenses in history. A little more from the guys in the lineup. Here's Austin Riley and Travis Darno. You know, I think it just goes to show how deep this lineup is. Um, and, and, you know, one, one through nine can... Yeah, I've said it before, say it again, could change the game in, in one swing. Um, and, and when we're all clicking on all cylinders, it, it makes it puts a lot of pressure on the pitcher. Everybody trusts the guy behind them and knows they don't have to do anything crazy, which I think leads to more damage when you're not trying to hit a homer. You're just trying to hit the ball and good things happen. So uh, I think a lot of trust in each other is why we've been doing so well. I know it's easy to have a good clubhouse culture when you're smashing everybody over the head like they're a whack-a-mole. But, I mean, that's kind of what I keep hearing is – this is the funnest place in the state of Georgia to be, maybe, is the Braves clubhouse. Yeah, I mean, I do think it has a lot, a lot to do with it. I don't know if I've ever made this comparison in our podcast. It's not very analytical, but if you have ever had a job that you do not like, I'm fortunate to not have had one of those. But people stay, it stinks, and it permeates everything. Your performance, your mood, this is not that. President of Baseball Operations, Alex Anthopoulos, has has said, you know, and I've done interviews with him where he said this, culture is not some buzzword that you read about in a book written by some self-made millionaire that looks all flashy. It's literally just flooding the organization with good people. It's good support staff. It's a good coaching staff. It's good 
character, you know, high character players. I think the Braves, they do so much work if they're going to bring somebody in on that individual and do they fit or if they might be a little rough around the edges, will they fit? Can they succeed here? Can this be a conducive environment for their success? I think they spend so much time on that. Whereas, I, yeah, like every team will say they do, but there are some teams that just focus on, okay, like let's stack talent. Let's, you know, act like it's baseball cards and, you know, good players win. That's also true. Like to a degree, yeah, like good players win, but you need the pieces and you, Jay, I can buy you a puzzle right now. It's not going to look as good if the puzzle of the Atlanta skyline, or let's just say the puzzle of Truist Park, your Truist Park puzzle, if you put the left field pole in center field, it's not going to look as pretty as if you have the general backdrop in the nice sky after a thunderstorm. You got to put the puzzle together. How much credit do you give to moving Matt Olson down in the order? I think it's a little coincidental. I, I mean, I, I think that, look, he leads the NL in home runs and leads all of baseball in RBIs. He's a run producer. I think, you know, maybe there's a little less pressure hitting down the lineup. I don't know. But, I mean, he we asked, you know, he was asked about that a couple days ago, and he said it was pretty much coincidental. So I'm, I'm going to take his word for it. I usually don't, with stuff like that, I don't know that it has a huge impact. It's tough to quantify. So I'm not a big believer in like the, yeah, shake up the lineup. I'm a believer in that. If you feel like you have to, Snit's pushing the right buttons, man. But I'm not one that's going to be like, oh, it's this or it's that. How much credit do you give uh, what you told this story in your Braves Dispatch newsletter on Friday to the Braves' parent part-time inning coach, Marcelo Zuna? Yeah, no, I I, I just think it goes, it goes to show the positive culture uh, in this organization, just because I really think that they look out for each other. And Azuna even said, like, he and Travis Darnot talk about hitting all the time. So Marcelo Zuna, as I wrote about, he noticed, you know, looking at some video with Matt Olson, that Matt Olson was dropping his hands. And so what he did was he told him, you know, instead of dropping your hands immediately and then going through the zone, go through the zone. And since then, Matt Olson's been really good. You say part-time hitting coach. I thought it was really funny when I asked Ozuna, you know, jokingly at the end of the interview. Well, actually, I don't really think it was jokingly. His answer was funny. My because he was, helped Michael Harris too. Yes, yes, because he has now, you know, helped two guys take off. Michael Harris has not looked back since. I asked Ozuna, would you ever want to be a hitting coach after you're done playing? He just laughed. He goes, no, no. He goes, for my kids, yeah. He goes, I want to be able to do it for my kids. But he goes, as soon as I finish baseball, you will not see me around any organization. He goes, I'm going to be chilling. I think, I think, I think that's a pretty good. I think retired life, if you've made that much money, sounds sounds a lot better than uh, than coming back and doing it every day. Before we go to break, is there anything that worries you heading into the second half? Did they peak too soon? I don't know if that's like a legitimate concern because that would be laughable because that is something that is not backed up by actual evidence or numbers. Can't really control it anyway. Yeah, you and you'd rather get hot than not, right? Because like you'd rather have an assured spot in the postseason, basically. I think that's the one thing. It's been so good that oh, you look at teams in the history of baseball, like does the best team, I guess the Astros last year, Does how often does the best team, 98 Yankees, I guess, how often does the best team win the World Series? Like that would be the only thing, like, the postseason is a crapshoot. These guys say it. They're at the point now where expectations are so high that they focus on making the postseason first because second, the postseason is just a crapshoot. I think that's the one thing is, yeah, like 
you know, you take a historic month over not having a historic month. But I guess if you were to look at it, is it too early? You know, who knows? But I guess the Braves have, have started July as if it's still called June. All right, coming up, they're going to need a bigger boat or a plane. We'll look at all the Braves heading to the All-Star Game in Seattle. This is the Braves Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, presented by Kroger. When you're looking for leading cardiac treatment, look to Northside Hospital Heart Institute. We lead with five emergency cardiac care centers, so we're here when you need us most. We lead with more than 55 locations in Georgia. That means we're always in the heart of your neighborhood. We lead with clarity, because clear direction is better when it comes to understanding every step of your treatment. Northside Hospital Heart Institute. We lead with heart. In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces, as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. Now, the Braves are going to be sending eight players to the All-Star game, but we've got an All-Star roster of knowledge that covers this team like nobody else. Of course, we've got Justin and our columnist Michael Cunningham, who was here on Sunday, our features reporter Gabriel Burns, who will join us next week from Seattle, our legendary columnist Mark Bradley, and now Ken Segura joining the columnist roster. Sarah Spencer's crafting our new video coverage on YouTube and on AJC.com. Not many organizations in the in the country devote the coverage that the AJC does to the Atlanta Braves. So, if you want to get access to everything we have to offer and help support our mission, go to subscribe.ajc.com slash podcast, and you can get three months of unlimited digital access to the AJC for just 99 cents. So, if you have not done so, give us a shot. Go to subscribe.ajc.com slash podcast so you always know what's really going on. As you alluded to, uh, our features writer, Gabe Burns, is going to be in Seattle is somebody who's, you know, been, I've been in this industry ever since college. So, you know, fifth fifth year now, a fifth full year. That's going to be quite the work week for Gabe. You know, Seattle's a very cool city. Um, if Gabe wants to explore it, he might want to show up a couple days early and stay a couple days late. Because eight, covering eight guys, that's... Uh, He's got the toughest job in the country a couple weeks from now. Yeah, and, and it's the Braves are going to make up a quarter of the NL All-Star team. The run we've been on, it's not surprising to anybody. It's just that's what's expected. So we don't get too high, we don't get too low. Um, and uh, consequently, we've got a lot of guys that are really, um, you know, doing what they're capable of, and, and that's that's a very high ceiling. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's awesome to see this many guys going, and, and it's going to be fun for us to, to be together out there. So uh, we're looking forward to it. First of all, that was a nice flex by Spencer. Um, but also, we're, we're going to talk about Gabe like he's not here. He made a nice point on Twitter on Sunday. Braves have eight All-Stars. They are all under 30, and they are all signed for multiple years. It's just stupid. Like, it's just like, I I mean, I try to find comparisons for this team a lot because it's my job. I, I want to know what could happen, what might happen. I try to live in the moment. But part of this is it's fun to look at, at what might happen or how it might play out. Nobody knows the last organization I can think of like this, okay, the Astros for one, the Dodgers for another, in terms of the stability over a run of when prospects popped at the same time. Well, the Dodgers, that 2017 young wave, 2016 young wave, those guys didn't get extended like these guys did. Same with the Astros. Those guys, the Braves have extended them 
early. And they not only have prospects brought up last year, but ones extended that were brought up years ago. And then guys they traded for, like Matt Olson and Sean Murphy. If you hate the Braves, the next half decade, decade is not going to be very fun because unless all these guys just level off, this is what it's going to be. Maybe not eight all-stars, but it is going to be this insane offense with a lot of different pieces. And they have such great flexibility because of the extensions that did not cost them an arm and a leg. It's, you know, big money in terms of what the Braves have done in their history, but it's not big money. If you look at some of the free agent money spent, they've done their free agency with these extensions and that leaves them a lot of flexibility to add, you know, via trade or, you know, a free agent here or there. It's dumb. Like, I just don't even know. it. There, you. It's hard to find ways to describe this. Here's one. Eight All-Stars ties a National League record last done by the Cubs in 08. If you're scoring at home, here's the list. Acuna, Murphy, and Arcia will start. They'll be joined by Elder, Strider, Albies, Olsen, and Riley. So, yes, the entire infield and the catcher is going to Seattle. To have your entire infield make the... All-Star game, it's, I just said, I said, I wish I was managing the game so I could make sure those guys all played together. Uh, Wash was out there, he said, he's probably the most emotional day of his career because all of his infielder went to the All-Star game, so it's very special. That's all, but think Rob Thompson will uh, do the Braves a solid and play all those guys together? I don't know. He's got a tough job because Rob Thompson's job, you know, as any All-Star managers is, is to get everybody in the game or everybody who's allowed to play, you know, or pitch into the game. That would be cool. Think about it this way. If Spencer Strider pitched, you could have Sean Murphy, Matt Olson, Ozzie Albies, Austin Riley, Orlando Arcia, and Ronald Acuna on the field at the same time. That is seven of nine people on the field for a defensive inning for the NL All-Star squad. Could be Braves. I think it would be really cool. I just don't know how he would do it with three of those guys starting and then having to mix the others in, you would have to... I don't think it'll match up. This will be the first time since 1960 that three Braves position players will start, and one of those is one of the best stories you can possibly think of. Orlando Arce. It means a lot. I think that's... uh, Any player who has ever reaches the big leagues, I think that's part of his dream, right, to be able to select it to uh, play in in an all-star game, and so... I'm very grateful, and I'm grateful to all the fans uh, who went out and voted for me, and I appreciate the support, and I hope you can proud. That's Orlando with the team's interpreter, and you, know, you talked about how expensive it gets to be to play the free agent game. A lot of baseball fans, and we did too, spent a lot of time talking about shortstops in the offseason. Carlos Correa, Trey Turner, Xander Bogarts, all signed. They are the three highest-paid shortstops in baseball. They are making a combined $85 million this year. They are not all-stars. RC is making two point three million. Yeah, yeah. Um, over the off season, I think you know the Braves and Alex Anthopoulos really um, is what I mean. Talked about how I think they view it as if you have, you know, if your payroll gets up there because you're paying guys twenty million a year, the guys you extended, eventually you're going to have to work younger guys in there or lower paid guys. You're going to have to take some shots on guys. The Braves liked Orlando Arcia. Don't get me wrong. They think he has great hands. They thought he had more in the bat. Stuff I've said on this podcast before. Yeah, we spent so much time talking it up and down the wall. Will they be okay without Dansby? Will there be a drop-off because they're not going to have a five or six win season from their shortstop? This, that, the other thing. Should they go after the big four shortstops, any of them? It hasn't mattered. 
Orlando Arcee has been terrific. At the plate, he's given you more than you could have expected. Defensively, we have seen how big the gap is between Orlando and somebody like Von Grissom, who doesn't have as much experience in position, although he's young and could improve. The biggest thing for me is I just think it's one of the best stories going around, like a guy like we'll talk about next. But it's one of the best things when, yeah, you see it out of nowhere. On February 1st, he was just prepared to go to spring training, report, compete for the job. The Braves always said RC was an option. But the chatter seemed to be that, okay, that it seemed to indicate that Von Grissom might get a shot to take this thing. They go with Arcia. A bunch of fans screamed at it. A bunch of media people screamed at it. I mean, I think we understood the logic and tried to be very objective on here and did a great job of that now, like looking back. But a lot of people, man, even in the media, you know, a lot of fans in media were just completely like did not understand this. Now you're seeing it. He's an all-star. Then there's Bryce Elder, who we didn't talk a lot about at all, really until May. And he was one of the first players in spring training that got shipped back to the minors, and he really hasn't had a bad start since. You know, it's just kind of part of the, the process in a sense. You know, I mean, I didn't didn't get that fifth spot that I wanted to, um, but I, I felt good about where I was at with my stuff, and I just tried to just keep going and play the long game, and it, it ended up working out. We got to we got a long way to go, so we gotta we got to stay at it. I, I throw tomorrow, so be ready to go. We spent more time talking about Ian Anderson getting sent down to the minors that day than we did Bryce Elder back in back in Florida. Now, he's he's in the Cy Young race. Yeah, and, you know, I won't take a victory lap for fear of, like, pulling a hamstring no, at you, this point. You've done a few, so yeah, go ahead exa- and run around again. Exactly. No, yeah, look, I just, I never, I don't think anybody could have ever expected this. Bryce's supporters surely did. And I don't mean that as, you know, a a knock against Bryce. I'm just saying baseball is such a sport that, you know, there's, yeah, there are a couple LeBron Jameses, but 98% of the guys aren't like that. You don't know. You can't project this stuff. And that's why it's amazing is you've got a guy who we're not even thinking about on March 26th because he's already been optioned. And then, well... But to Bryce, he kept working, man. He stayed with it. He wasn't going to let that define him. And I think that's the most impressive thing ever is he wasn't going to let that mean that he didn't have a great season. He wasn't going to let it ruin him. Obviously, it was disappointing, man. Like, I think Bryce is as level-headed as they come. But yeah, like, you could hear it in his voice, like, when we talked to him after his first start of the season up here. Or, you know, now he's honest. Like, it stunk, you know, as you would expect. It wasn't fun, you know, to know he didn't get that fifth spot when he came in competing for it. He stuck with it. He kept working. He probably had that fire, you know, lit under him, that motivation. He remembered where he was when he got that call. And now he's done this. Here's what I like about Bryce, though, is another thing that I I mentioned in the Braves dispatch newsletter is one reporter asked him, you know, after his last start, how he felt with the all-star roster reveal approaching. And he goes, I mean, I feel like I got another start in five days. And, you know, it kind of provided an interesting look into his mindset because you're like, wow, like this is a guy who maybe couldn't have dreamed about being an all-star, you know, when he was optioned. Now he's days away from it. And the reporter's like, wait, so, you know, you're, you're not going to think about that then. And he goes, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, you can be so good for a really, really long time or you can be really good for a short amount of time. This game is, it's too hard to, for me to sit back and kind of think, oh, I got the lowest ERA in the National League, I think that all that's going to do is set me up to fail when I got to throw again in five days. So I just kind of try to keep my head down and 
enjoy the times when they're good and try to get through the times when it's not good. So um, just kind of stay at it and, and continue to work and get good work every day. He's right. After his start on June 26, 2022 in AAA, he had a 5.86 ERA. Things weren't going great. He writes the ship in the second half, but, you know, and then comes up and pitches well. Hasn't looked back since. But I like this because it just gave us a look into his mindset. He didn't take anything for granted. And I asked him that. I goes, is your point there that you don't take anything for granted? And he goes, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, you can be so good for a really, really long time or you can be really good for a short amount of time. This game is it's too hard to, for me to sit back and kind of think, oh, I got the lowest ERA in the National League. I think that all that's going to do is set me up to fail when I got throw again in five days. So I just kind of try to keep my head down and enjoy the times when they're good and try to get through the times when it's not good. That, for you, is Bryce Elder, and I think that's what makes him successful. He's not taking any little thing for granted. He's striving for consistency to do the same thing in between starts, and if there's something he needs to figure it out, to figure it out. But I think he just knows what he has. He pitches with it, and, you know, he's humble. Also in that starting lineup will be Sean Murphy. And, you know, back in December, a lot of us wondered, why is Alex Anthopoulos trading for catcher? He's already got two all-stars. And I don't think we've talked about William Contreras one time this season, this podcast. That is actually the best way I think anybody's ever put that. And I'm not saying that because you're my co-host, but I that is the best way to capture how good Sean Murphy has been. Is that last year we spent so much time talking about William Contreras, as did the fans. He became a fan favorite. Oh, yeah. I mean, he was launching dingers all around the yard the entire year. This year, haven't heard a peep. Sean Murphy's that good. That's why they targeted him. And I think a lot of people thought that, man, why is Alex trading for a catcher? And why is he trading for one, you know, we're going to take a step back on the bat. We're going to do this. Da, 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 da. No, Sean Murphy's an elite defensive catcher. Doesn't mean it doesn't come with a bat. And I think the Braves, one of the factors that they looked at, I think, is, well, that's a guy who had to play 81 of his games <laughs> in cavernous Oakland Coliseum. He looked a little better in Truist Park. It's not hitter friendly, but he's looked, you know, he's looked a lot better here. Yep. This guy's carried over a 900 OPS like the entire season. Now, two things real quick, and then we'll move on. Surprised Riley made it? A little bit. That's nothing against him, but I actually, I only because he's not having a great season for his standards because we've seen him have so much more. I'm unsurprised in that it's a pretty good, you know, decent season for anybody else. And, you know, I'm trying to think of like the NL guys in the NL. It's not like Alec Baum has had a great season. It's not like, you know, Eduardo Escobar, Brett Beatty. I'm trying to think around the NL. Uh, Manny Machado has struggled this season. The Dodgers don't have some dominant third baseman. I mean, this is what it's going to be in the NL for years to come is Arenado, Machado, Riley. Uh, So I'm not surprised from that perspective because, yeah, he truly has been one of the best third basemen in the league. And despite the Braves hitting more homers than anybody on the planet, no Brave in the home run derby, it looks like. No, no. And I I heard that MLB had some interest in Matt Olson. He, you know, politely declined. He doesn't want to, you know, he likes the spot he's in with his swing and... He didn't want to mess with that. He feels like he's, you know, he's feeling really good. He did it in 21, but I think this will also allow him to just kind of enjoy the entire All-Star week and not have to worry about, you know, kind of doing some maximum effort BP. All right, up next, Braves going to Cleveland on Monday. You'll be going to Cleveland on Monday, too. Then on Tuesday, it's another start for Colby Allard after an impressive debut against Minnesota. No, of course. You know, I think we have 
you know, a lot of a lot of very talented players, you know, in this clubhouse, you know, and I think the one thing that you know they do a very good job of is making everyone feel, you know, like we're pulling all on the same side of the rope kind of thing. You know what I mean? So I don't think, you know, I wouldn't. There's not much like selfishness going on. You know, everyone's just going out there and trying to, you know, win as many ball games as we can for the Braves. You know, and I think that's kind of the mindset I'm gonna take today and you know continue to move forward. And then Wednesday, Michael Soroka is back on the mound after getting his first win in more than 1,300 days. My goal was to continue just letting it fly. I think that's the one thing I, I found when I went back down. And, um, you know, I, I found it at some points earlier this year, but it was kind of spotty and went down with a bit of a fire uh, lit underneath me and just started kind of letting it fly. All right, so Soroka's checked that box, finally get that first W. The comeback talk is over. Is he ready to contribute now? Yeah, I think so. He looked a lot better, looked crisper, um, and was amped up, man. Got up to 96, 97, I believe, or a couple 96s. Yeah, looked a lot better. The Marlins are, you know, lineup that had some has had some success this year. Looked a lot better to me. Gets relatively, you know, deep into the game. It was good. He notches a quality start. His best start in the majors to this point this year. I thought it was really good. I think I think he's ready to have a little run in this rotation. All right, now time for the Ask Justin segment where we answer Braves fans' questions on Twitter at Justin C. Toscano. And we'll do it on the AJC Braves Report hotline as well. So if you ever want to call the show and join us and uh, ask us a question, leave us a comment, call 404-526-AJCP. That's 404-526-2527. And our caller this week is here to show us the depth and the reach of the Braves Report. Hey, Justin and Jay, very regular listener here, calling all the way from Honduras in Central America. It's always uh, fun listening to you guys. My question is, I hear all the rumblings of Spencer Trider making a uh, you know, last push for the All-Star game, but I think that Elder's not getting the respect he deserves. Obviously, uh, our caller didn't know the All-Star team when he left his message, but to his point, think Bryce is still underrated? Yeah, I think so, because I think that there are a lot of people who genuinely believe he's going to get slashed by the regression monster and i think i mean yeah maybe it happens like is he gonna have a two four four era for the rest of his career no but it's like probably not but i just think he knows how to pitch he's having some success why are people taking that away from him you don't hear the noise as much now but i do think around baseball like yeah i i I think people are probably bryce elder's probably one of those guys that isn't looked at like a spencer strider like when teams face the braves they're keyed in on Spencer Strider. They would be keyed in on Max Fried. I think Bryce Elder takes people by surprise because until you step up there, you don't know how much that sinker and that slider move. All right, next up, Agon. Is AA, Alex Anthopoulos, more likely to make smaller moves at the deadline for depth and minor upgrades, or do you think he'll go all out and make this team even stronger? Yeah, that's that's a good question because the obvious answer is the first one. But... What if you went for a frontline starter? How good would this team be? That said, I don't really think the Braves are in a position to trade prospects, or maybe they'll fleece somebody. Alex has a way of, <laughs> of you know, working himself into some great deals. I, I would say it's the first one. I think you work on the margins, and I think you'd be smart without giving up too much from your farm system or even, you know, and other, you know, like that. So I, I, I think it's got to be on the margins. This team doesn't need a ton. I'm not saying it's perfect, and I'm not saying I'm not going to be that guy who says. Well, Max Fried and Kyle Wright, those are like trade deadline acquisitions. Everybody hates that guy. But if you're <laughs> if you're factoring if you're factoring that in, I know fans hate that guy. Is what I'm saying. If you're factoring those in, worst guy at a party. That I, guy. I just yeah no. If you're factoring those things in, I know I just know fans hate hearing that. But I'm saying if you're factoring those in, it's a great team. 
And I just don't think there'll be this star player or this frontline starter on the market from a clear seller that's going to like sell low. Like I think there are going to be a lot of overpays. All right, next up from Skylar Hyde on the topic. Do you expect Max to make a rehab start this week or next? Not this week. I think he's got to face live. He's got to live hitters. You, you hope they'd be alive. Um, <laughs> yes. No, <laughs> he's got to throw another live batting practice session. <laughs> face hitters for, <laughs> oh man, what a day. Face hitters for, uh, face hitters again for that second time he did um, earlier this weekend. So that'll be good. Another good step. I think it'll have to be that second live BP before that first rehab start. I think you're looking soonest, I guess, at the, the end of July, maybe. And then from at Waddle Talk, when is Wright expected back? Yeah, I think that'll be probably closer to September is what I think that'll be. Um, and I think that's still fine, right? Because you make a few starts, you're into October healthy, you're fresh, you've had enough starts to to get kind of your sea legs back. That's one of my favorite expressions. I love when people say that. <laughs> um, so, I, yeah, I think that one will be closer to September. From Monte Carlo, when Chavez and Lee come back, what are the Braves going to do with their bullpen? <sighs> yeah, man, I mean. It always kind of works yeah, out, Yeah, it does. We get a lot of these questions for good reason. It always kind of works itself out. Right now, you would have to think, like, Ben Heller probably is is option. I don't – I mean, you can't really option Dylan Lee. He's one of those guys. And, and Jesse, I mean, he's such a big part of that bullpen. I, it always works itself out, so they won't have to come to this. But, I mean, I guess Ben Heller is the obvious option candidate. But, but is he? I mean, he's been so yeah. good. And uh, last one from Alan Frank. Any chance Alan Winans gets a chance to start with a big club? His number's been solid in AAA. Yeah, no, he's he's been really solid. I mean, I think, look, like he's had numbers, you know, he's put in like a lot of quality starts this year and bed like a lot of, you know, ones or zeros from, you know, if I looked at it correctly. Um, he's been awesome, has led the International League in ERA, you know, for yep. a large part of this season. But I think, you know, one thing to know is the velocity has been a little lower. Um, he's got a good mix, but, you know, it's been 89, 90. I don't know if that turns the Braves off a little bit. And sometimes when they've had openings, they haven't lined up with his days. Uh, I think, you know, because of the beat reporter, you have to check all that stuff for all the guys down in the minors. And so I, I, I think he gets a shot in the second half if they don't trade him. But I could genuinely see him being a guy like, that they could use because what if another team needs kind of a major league ready pitcher who just needs a shot? Winner of the week. Oh, my winner of the week is going to be Bryce Elder. And I think, so there are four guys who will appear on the all-star team for the first time. For some reason, my mind goes to Elder. I guess you could put Arcia in this group, but you look at a guy, I will make it Bryce Elder and Orlando Arcia. Those are my winners of the week. So of the four first-timers, these two really warm your heart, man. I mean, you look at guys who just like were overlooked by everybody but themselves, by everybody but their supporters, by everybody but the people in that clubhouse in this organization, and they've just done the most with their opportunities. And I think that's all you can really ask for in life and in sports, you know, out here on the baseball field. I just really, really, really two of the best stories in baseball. Um, and it really warms your heart to see that they're they're going to get a shot. You know, they're going to get their time in the All-Star game. And I, I hope they get in there. You know, Orlando will start. I hope Bryce gets to pitch. Um, and I hope it doesn't conflict with any of his days or any of his routine or whatever. You just, <laughs> this is why people do it. Like, this is why we love sports. It's because people root for, you know, the proverbial underdog. These guys aren't underdogs anymore. 
Mine is the guy who suggested making the bases a little bigger and limiting the pickoffs. Because that means we get to watch Ronald Acuna run wild. Think we're going to make it through this podcast without talking about Acuna? 39 stolen bases. That's a career high for him. It's July 2nd, as you listen, as we record this. And he's now top 10 in Atlanta Braves franchise history in stolen bases for a season. That's insane. Um, and a career, yeah, career high. Yeah, 40 40. What about like 40 80? Or, you know, <laughs> it's, 40, it's 40 75. I, yeah, no, I. Let's just say that the stat head thing we talked about with this offense, you're going to be able to do a very, very good, thorough 30 minutes of stat head searches for Acuna. He's doing things that are, you know, really unprecedented. Um, he's got all five tools. He's just playing all five of them. How poorly does he have to play down the stretch to not be the MVP at this point? As long as he shows up, honestly. I mean, it would be really hard for him to blow it now. Yeah, he's so far ahead of the competition right now. All right, so that's it. We've got a ton of ways to get Braves content leading up to the All-Star game. Go to AJC.com slash Braves to read everything Justin writes. Uh, check out Sarah Spencer's videos on YouTube. And, of course, please rate, review, follow, and share our show. Tell your friends. Tell your enemies. We'll be here every Monday on the Braves Report for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. When you're looking for leading cardiac treatment, look to Northside Hospital Heart Institute. We lead with five emergency cardiac care centers, so we're here when you need us most. We lead with more than 55 locations in Georgia. That means we're always in the heart of your neighborhood. We lead with clarity, because clear direction is better when it comes to understanding every step of your treatment. Northside Hospital Heart Institute. We lead with heart. The AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluestein, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nygut are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC.